Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. So, but what we're going to see at the end of the book of Philippians is Paul talking to the church at Philippi about financial support, okay? And so a lot of times we're like, oh, I hate it when churches ask for money. I hate it when this happens, and I totally get it. Like, there are some real doozies out there, all right? And it can, it can get really improper, um, and it can get really unethical, and it can get really manipulative out there. And I, I totally get that, especially during the holidays. But what I want us to do today is not focus on what our experience has been or what we've heard about, I want us to focus today on what does God's word say about it? Because at the end of the day, this is our authority. This is what matters. And so we're going to read today of how Paul ends his letter about love and rejoicing to the Philippians. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 10. Philippians 4.10, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right. I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'll stop and explain and read a couple of verses, and we'll kind of do that back and forth. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. That's what it says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice. That now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. All right, let's stop right there. Uh, If you look up at verse 10, I want you to notice this theme of Philippians, right? Where he says again, as he's ending his letter, he says, I again am rejoicing. He is so filled with joy, right? But I want you to notice, like, and we've been saying this all throughout Philippians, there is a difference between our happiness and our joy. In fact, I heard it said not too long ago that happiness is based on what happens to you. That your happiness is based on what happens to you. And see, guys, that's not biblical joy. Biblical joy does not ebb and flow based upon our circumstances. In fact, like joy is based on God's unchanging love for us. And so, so when your circumstances go back and forth, based on what is happening to you, you may not be very happy. But because God's love for you has not changed one iota during any season of your life, you can still rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. You can still rejoice, all right? And, uh, and so that's what Paul's doing. Paul, again, remember, he is writing this letter in prison, okay? He is writing this letter. God said, go preach in Rome. He preached in Rome. Boom, in the slammer. He's in prison. He's hungry. He is without. And yet, all throughout this letter, he keeps saying, man, we got to rejoice. We got to rejoice. And again, Paul finds something else to rejoice in. 
So what brought Paul this joy in the midst of his hard circumstances? Well, we see later in verse uh, 10, he says the fact that this church was supporting God's calling on his life. Like you look at it and he says, I'm rejoicing because you've revived your concern for me. I, I was, you were concerned for me, but you didn't have an opportunity to do anything about it. In other words, it's like, man, I want to support Paul. This, this church was going, man, Paul started this thing. Paul led many of us to Christ. Like, Paul is connected to us, but now he's in prison because of us. And uh, we want to do something for him, but there wasn't an opportunity to do anything. And so look what he says in verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. If you're taking notes, I want you to underline a couple of words there for me, all right? Or you can write these down if you're taking notes on your phone or something. I want you to write down the word content. That word content literally means that you have all that you need. The word content means that you have all that you need. And that word content can, you don't have to be a Christian to understand that word. You don't have to be a Christian to understand people who are never content, right? People who always feel like they lack something. You ever been like that? You ever been like that in your life where you just felt like you, you weren't satisfied? And I, I like that word, like content, but I also like the word satisfied. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, think about contentment like this being always satisfied in what Jesus has given you, not what he has not. Think about that. Contentment for followers of Jesus is being satisfied with what Jesus has given you, not always looking for what he has not given you. And that's contentment. And so Paul says, he says, I, I literally have everything that I need. And that word contentment, is connected to another word called trust. See, our contentment comes from really trusting the hand of God. Paul, even though he was in jail, even though he was hungry, even though his stomach was growling, he says, man, I've learned not to be hangry. I mean, I've learned to be content, right, in what God has given to me. And even in the midst of, there were things like if we looked at Paul, we'd be like, whew, somebody get this kid a bar of soap. Somebody get this dude a hairbrush. Somebody get this dude a new pair of shoes. Somebody get this dude like a bath. Somebody get this dude a nice meal. Like we would come in and want to fix everything about Paul's life. And Paul says, actually, I've learned to be content, to be satisfied with all that Christ has given me. Where does that come from? Like, you may be sitting here and going, Brandon, I know, I'm at church, you're going to tell me, go be content. But Brandon, that's harder than you think it is. Hey, let's get a testimony in this place. It is hard to be content, especially in Northern Virginia, where you see people around you all the time up in their game, right? The neighbors, they remodeled their house, right? Now I'm not content with my kitchen right? The, 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 my friend of mine, a coworker, just got a new car, and now I'm not, and I rode in it to lunch, and I'm not content with my car, 
right? It comes from this comparison game of all of a sudden like, hey, inflation has rose and I didn't get the raise I was expecting. And so now like I'm not content with the money that I'm making, which now means I'm not content with my boss, which now means I'm not content with my job, which now means I'm not, you, you get it, right? When we start comparing and playing this game, we start trusting in ourselves. Guys, listen, I know it's hard, but our job is not to just suck it up and go be content. Listen, our job is to trust God more. Trust his hand, guys. Trust his sovereign hand that he knows what we need. And he is faithful to give us everything that we need. And we can be totally satisfied in our relationship with God. I want you to write this other word down too because Paul doesn't just say I am content, right? I mean, those of us who are a work in progress, right, we love this word because Paul doesn't say, yeah, dude, I don't know. I mean, thanks for your support, but, um, you know, I appreciate it. I'm just content. I'm fine. I didn't need your support, but I'm glad for it. Like, you sent me a check, some money uh, for my mission, and I'm thankful for it, but I didn't need that because I trust God. He didn't say that right? Some of us, holier than thou, that's what we do when somebody tries to give us a gift, right? Hey, I don't need that. I don't need that. I trust God, right? And it's like, yeah, trust God that I'm giving this to you right now, right? Like sometimes we struggle with that, right? And Paul, but he doesn't say I'm, he doesn't say any of that. This is what he says. He says, I've learned. I've learned. Guys, this was a journey. This was a process, Paul didn't just get saved and all of a sudden was completely satisfied in his relationship with God. This is something that was learned. And do you know how it's learned? It's learned through circumstances and experiences. So read with me uh, verse 12, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. He says this, Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Because see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that beautiful? So amazing. I love this because Paul says, let, let me tell you how I've learned it. So if you're sitting here, you're like, Brandon, yeah, how do you learn to be content? Like, how do you learn to be so satisfied in Jesus, so trusting of God's hand, that, that in any circumstance, you, you're just content in Jesus? How do you learn that? And Paul says, well, I learned it through walking through it, right? He says, I know what it's like to be brought low. Anybody in this house know what it's like to be brought low? You know what it's like to hit rock bottom? You know what it's like to hit a low point? Yeah, man. And we all do. I just ask you that. It's a rhetorical question, but I ask you because sometimes we need to see other heads nodding in the church house. You know what I'm saying? Because we come into church sometimes and think we're the only ones who knows what rock bottom or where rock bottom is, right? And so sometimes we need to come in. Pastor needs to say, anybody imperfect, anybody know rock bottom where that is and see a bunch of heads bobbing. And you feel like, yeah, no, that's normal, okay? Paul says, I know what it's like to be brought low. He says, I know what it's like to abound. How many of you know where cloud nine is? Yeah, you do. You know what it's like to have a good day. You know what it's like to be on top of the world. Like we've experienced that. And Paul says, me too. 
Guys, listen, Paul used to like go with high rollers. Like Paul used to just knock it out of the park. Like that dude, he hung out with the Pharisees of Pharisees. Like he had money. He was wealthy. He had a whole like Jesus gig on the side. Well, it wasn't Jesus, but a God gig on the side. Like he had this whole thing going on, man. Like he, he knew what it was like to have a lot. And then he started following Jesus and he knew what it was like to have very little. And, and listen, Paul, the Apostle Paul very clearly could have said, hey, I didn't sign up for this. I'm going to keep the life I had and just add Jesus to the life I had. Oh, man, but church, he didn't do that. He left the life he had and said following Jesus is better. But guys, listen to me. Even following Jesus, it's okay to abound. It's okay. Like to follow Jesus, you don't have to have rock bottom every day, okay? Like, you don't have to wake up and be like, man, I'm having a great day. Man, I better bring myself down a little bit, right? You know, I'll call Brandon. He'll bring me down. Like, like we got to, you know, we, we got to like, we got to just get out of that. Like, it is okay to follow Jesus and abound a little bit, all right? Like, but the problem is, is we can't just be content in our abound. We got to be content in being brought low, too. And that contentment can happen because of Jesus, because even though your circumstances change, hang on, I'm about to give you something good. God's love is unchanging. So even though your circumstances may change, God's love for you stays the same. Do you know that God's love for you is not dependent on your season of life? God does not love you more when you abound. He doesn't. When you're up and you're having a good mental health day and you're feeling good and you just got a bonus or a raise at work or you just got a promotion or you just found a job and you're having a good day and you go, man, this is a good season. I like this. That does not mean God loves you more. It just means you are more aware of his love. And and when you are brought low, it does not mean that God loves you less. You have not made him unhappy. Because you cannot. You are covered with the blood of Jesus, which pleases him infinitely. And when we are covered with the blood of Jesus, God does not see our shortcomings, our failures, or our rock bottom. He sees the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Perfection, righteousness is what he sees. God does not love you less because you are being brought low. God's love for you is unchanging. Paul says it's a secret. (laughs) He says, I've learned the secret. And I don't know about you, but I'm reading it. I'm like, I want to know the secret. (laughs) Tell me the secret, Paul. And praise God, Paul did that, right? Now, that word secret is interesting. I wanted to tell you guys this because that word secret actually came from the pagan world. So Paul is actually using a play on words when he uses secret because secret was kind of like a secret passcode. Remember when you were little and everything, you had to have a password to get in, right? Like you wanted to go swing on the swing set and you had to have a password. You wanted to go down the slide and you had to have a password. You wanted to get into the room and you needed a password. Well, that's the same thing that used to happen in these uh, temples that had all these pagan false gods in them. And what happened is they had passwords. And you came in, and if you wanted to worship that God, then you went through an initiation in which, I don't know what all happened with the initiation, but you were taught a password, a secret. This is the secret, and if you want to get into worship, this is what you say, okay? And so that's, that's, and so Paul is using that same word to say, I've got a secret. You want in on this Jesus thing? 
All right? I've got a secret. Let me let you in on the secret password to being content with Jesus. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me the strength. I want you to look at that. Man, isn't that passage so much more beautiful when you read it in the context in which it was written? Instead of just seeing it on a poster with some dude shooting a basketball? You know what I'm saying, though? Listening to a football coach, right, tell them uh, in the locker room, you know, let's all go, you know, three, I can do all things through Christ, strength me, you know. Like, isn't it so much more lovely to read it in the context in which Paul wrote it? Because, see, guys, Paul, <laughs> Paul says a few things. I just want you to look at this verse, man. He says, I can do. I can do. Notice Paul doesn't say I might do. Paul doesn't say, like, it's possible for me to do. Paul says, I can do. Like, and, and how does Paul know? This is not some motivational speech Paul's given himself in the mirror uh, before he walks out of the jail cell every day, okay? This is literally Paul saying, no, I've walked it, I've lived it, and I know as long as I got the strength of Christ, I can do. I can do. Like, if God is giving me breath and God has opened a door, then I can do. I, not I might do. Not I should do, but I can do. And, and then he says, I can do all things. Man, write that down in your notes. Because in the original language, that, um, there's always an emphasis, okay? Especially the way the New Testament is written. There's always a word or a phrase that is emphasized. And so sometimes when a preacher's reading it, we emphasize the words that mean a lot to us and not always the correct words, okay? So like if we're reading this passage the way Paul wrote it, it would sound like this. Because guys, I've learned the secret in being content. I, I can do all things <laughs> through Christ who's giving me the strength. Guys, that emphasis is on all things. Like Paul wants us to know you can make it. Like you can make it. But, but listen, it's not that you can make it because you are strong. It's not that you can make it because you are inherently superwoman. Okay? It's not you can make it because God has made you special and you just can. No, no, no. You can do all things because it is Christ working through you. If it is not Christ working through you, change the verse to, I cannot do anything. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, like this is it. And so I don't want you to walk out of here going, Man, I can do this. Rah, rah, rah. I can do this. No, you can't. You cannot. I don't care if you're trying to shoot a basketball. I don't care if you're trying to cook for the holidays. I don't care if you're trying to please everybody and make everybody happy. You cannot. But listen to me. Whatever circumstance you're in, whether it is high or it is low or it is steady in between, you can do it because it is not up to your strength. It is Christ working His strength through you. That's a miracle. That's a miracle.
that, that you don't have to wake up at rock bottom tomorrow and face it on your own. You get up and you say, I can walk through rock bottom because I can do all things because it's not up to me. If it was up to me, we're waving the white flag. But praise God. Come on, somebody praise God. It is not up to me. It is Christ working his strength through me. And that word strength is the same word we use for dynamite. Thought some of you pyros might like that. It's dynamite. Literally means it's forceful. It's forceful. This isn't just God giving you strength like, man, I, all I need is coffee and Jesus and I'm good, okay? This ain't strength like a cup of caffeine. This is strength like dynamite and not a stick of dynamite like the uh, coyote and roadrunner, okay? This is like sticks of dynamite to blow down a building, okay? Are you with me now? This is the strength that is available to you in your relationship with Christ. It's what's available to us. But I want you to know, man, this does not mean a few things. A lot of times people take this verse out of context, right? I've kind of joked about it a couple of times. So some of you are, either have no clue what I'm talking about because you're like, why is everybody laughing? You know? Some of you are really offended right now because I've just shattered your life verse. And, uh, and so, I'm serious. And, uh, and, and some of us are going, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because we've taken it the other way. And we're like, yeah, I don't even, yeah the verse isn't even true. You know, like, it's not, okay, that's not it. I just want you to hear, like, this does not mean that God will empower you to sin because you can do all things. I've heard that before. I've heard people say, well, the verse says right here, I can do all things through Christ, man. I drink with Christ. Well, that's great. But if you're walking around, like, as a town drunk, like, dishonoring Christ with your body, then that, you've taken that verse out of context. Christ is not giving you the strength to dishonor him, himself. Um, I love that it also uh, doesn't mean you're going to become the next MJ, all right? doesn't mean you're about to become the next Michael Jordan or for my uh, uh, other Gen Z, like LeBron James, okay? Like, well, we all know Jordan's the GOAT. So we, we like, it doesn't mean you're going to become the next Michael Jordan. It, it doesn't mean, like, uh, that you can be passive in your relationship with God because you're, God's going to do everything. It's through his strength, so he'll do it. No, 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 it's his strength in you. Letting you do all things because of his strength. And so, man, I just want you to know this. You already have everything you need through your relationship with Jesus. You don't need more, and you certainly can't do it with less. You have all that you need in your relationship with Jesus. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have this promise. And I just want to be upfront and honest with you because it says it's coming through Christ. It's I'm doing all things through Christ who is strengthening me. And so the answer is, does Christ know you, right? Let's keep reading in verse 14. Verse 14, he says, uh, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So I love that because Paul's like going off about himself a little bit, you know, like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is great. And he's like, but I mean, I appreciate it. Okay, appreciate it. 
It's kind of you to share my trouble, verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And I just want you to know that giving and receiving, he's talking about money, all right? So we're about to talk about that. And I just want to be, I want to be clear, okay? Sometimes we want to look at giving and receiving and be like, oh, he's talking about love. Oh, he's talking about, well, he's not just money. He's talking about we're giving and receiving of their, their talents. And No, 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 he's, he's, he's talking about money. All right. In verse 16, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. That help is financial help. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? So good. Look at... uh, (laughs) Look back up at verse 14, 15, 16, that, that first part, right, is that, uh, as Paul says, you were sharing with me, right? It was kind of you to share in my trouble. And I want you to see that's what the Christian life looks like, is uh, sometimes you don't always have to share a meal. Sometimes you don't always have to share money. Sometimes you just share in the trouble. And that's really hard. When somebody's in trouble, you go to them and say, may I have some? That's sharing. And sharing is what? Caring. Thank you, Wes. Sharing is caring. And so they're sharing in his trouble. And then when he uses the word partnership, he's talking about a financial partnership, but that, that financial partnership is more than just a transaction. Okay? The word partnership literally means fellowship. So he's using the word fellowship, which is where we get koinonia, which is where we get like biblical, this idea of biblical community. He's using that idea to talk about how they financially supported him. Now, listen, this can get awkward for people, right? Um, Because um, a lot of times we've seen churches abuse finances. We've seen uh, churches... um, you know, use, we've seen pastors get up and manipulate people for their own financial gain. And, uh, and so I understand that. So, and I also understand we all come into church with different ideas about money. Like some of us, we don't care about money. Everything's great. We don't even think about the checks we write. Or we don't even write checks. We just punch in numbers. We don't even think about it. Others of us are counting down like, like you know, the, to the penny, like how much we have in our bank account. Some of us are having to ask other people for help. Like we are all in maybe in different stages financially. And so I can understand that this could be like an, uh, something that is anxious to talk about. But I want you to know here today that at this church, we do not talk about money. We don't. Because here's what I believe. I believe money is an inanimate object that has no spirit and soul and doesn't matter. What we talk about is we talk about our hearts. Because the problem's not with the, the moolah. The problem is with what we do with or without the moolah. And so what we do is we talk about it from a heart perspective, right? Um, because uh, here's the deal. Like, let's be honest, right? It takes money and resources to start a church. And I'm not talking about Impact Church. I'm talking about the Church of Philippi because that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, man, it, it took money to not just start at Philippi. But he's talking about starting at Thessalonica. And then he would later go on to Athens and to Corinth. And he's saying, saying man, it takes resources. It takes money to do this. And he's like, man, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you guys like 
Like, help me. And so here's what I know about our relationship with money. If you're scared of money, you'll be passive about money. Okay? And God has not called us to be passive about anything in our lives. We are to act in faith in every aspect of our lives, including how we do our finance. So if you're anxious about it, these are the people who have no idea what's in their bank account, ever, right? Because you're scared to check the app. Because it's like, you want to be a little passive about it. It's like, I don't know, right? Now, then I know that if you're on the other side and you love money, then you have a temptation to be greedy with it. So you understand like all of these things, passivity, greed, they have nothing to do with money itself. It has everything to do with our attitude, our motive, our heart. So if we can do all things through Christ, then that also means we are free to be generous with our resources for the sake of the gospel and for the good of our city. And so I wanted to show you guys <laughs> really quickly um, a picture of, uh, of, of what this looks like at Impact. So we're, we're talking about in Scripture what it looks like in Philippi. And I wanted you to see what it looks like at Impact because here's, here's the thing that I've learned. Like, um, I don't want to give you, like, uh, like, to me, money is not a business meeting. To me, money is not, like, the taboo subject because if we can't talk about money, we can't talk about our hearts. And if we can't talk about our hearts at church, what are we doing here, <laughs> right? And so, like, I just believe this really important. And this, listen to me, we are a year old. We are a church that is a year old. And I want you to see, I want you to join with me to say, man, let's be a generous church. Like, let's not be inward focused where we're like, give us, give us money so that we can have our big stuff and a nice sound system and a huge kids men program and all this stuff, like give to us. No, we want to be a church that is generous. But listen to me, we don't want to be a church that is generous after we get everything we want. We want to be a church that is generous today right now, while we are still getting funds from other people and other networks, we want to use those funds to share the gospel here and send it on for the gospel to be shared in other places. And so I want you to see a picture of what that looks like at Impact Church, and let's talk about it for a second. Um, can you uh, walk through those slides? Because I don't have a copy of my slide. Oh, what a beautiful title slide. Okay, go to the next uh Slide. Hey, I worked really hard on that. Okay, I want you to see that uh, so far, this is as of the end of October, okay? As of the end of October, our church has brought in $209,000. That's amazing. Like, you guys are sitting around like, it's a lot of zeros. That, it is, and that, that is amazing. And we've spent 189000 Do you know what that means? That means we're doing okay. That means we can do this again next week. That's what this means. This is, this is amazing. But I just wanted you to see a picture because a lot of times you only hear about money at church when the church needs money. And I want you to hear me say this. And this is as of today. I'm not promising I won't say something different next week. But I'm just saying that as of today, listen to me. We don't need your money. We don't. This church does not need your money. But let me take it a step further. God... He doesn't need your money. He owned, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. The Lord literally owns everything. Like, you think, like, like okay, so he doesn't need your money. We don't need your money. Like, I, and I'm not saying that because of these numbers. 
I'm telling you because of a heart issue. You understand? When we give because we think that somehow God needs us or the church needs us, we are giving out of an improper motive in our heart. So I want you to see, we give, listen to me, this is what the Bible says, we give joyfully, not out of compulsion. I would use the word manipulation. We don't give out of manipulation. We give joyfully. And the word joyfully or cheerfully in the Bible means hilariously in that verse. So it literally means, man, we're making it rain and cracking up about it. This is hilarious. I'm going to give more money. <laughs> like it's crazy. That sounded more sadistic than happy. <laughs> we'll cut that out of the podcast. I'm going to move on. Go to the next slide. <laughs> you guys got it though, right? Okay. All right, here's what I want you to see. Out of all the money that came in, whatever that number was, I forgot. Impact Church, you from the congregation have given $116,000 of it. Are you kidding me? You guys look around, you're like, man, all they can, they just get in the Walmart version of K-Cups. Listen, like, like that's a miracle. That's amazing. Like that, that is given from the sacrificial hearts of this church. Like, can we give the Lord some praise for that this morning? That's amazing. Now, I know you're like, that feels weird, clapping because of me. But like that's, but listen, that's, that's good because I sit with church plants all the time who that number is like zero because nobody's giving. They're just taking. And guys, you're already a church that's giving. I'm so thankful for that. We do have partners. We have partners all over the country who are giving financially to help us do this. A lot of people go, how do you run a church? How do you do it? How many jobs do you have on the side? And the truth is, like, because of the generosity of our partners, like, they've given $93,000 to us so far this year. Like, can we give the Lord some praise for that? That's amazing. Ain't nobody giving me $93,000. They give it to God, man. I love it. And I just want you to see some of the partners that are helping us. And uh, this isn't an extensive list, but it's just a few of the people who like every month write a check and send it to us because, listen, they believe in what you're doing. And uh, I just want to highlight a couple like First Baptist Church of Norfolk, Virginia, gives us $400 every month. Every month they faithfully send a check for $400. When we launched this church, the missions pastor at the time called me up at 10 p.m. the night before we launched the church. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, he's about to tell me they're not helping us. And this is a really horrible time for him to tell me that the night before we launched the church. And he says, hey, Brandon, I just wanted to tell you I'm praying for you. And I went ahead and bought your church a few iPads. I thought maybe you guys could use them. I just want to apologize. They won't make it there uh, by launch day, but you should get them Monday. And I was like, well, this is the best phone call I've received today. Thank you so much. This is awesome. But I also point that out because that missions pastor a few weeks ago went home to be with the Lord. And uh, a few weeks ago, that missions pastor unexpectedly died. Um, still not sure what happened. He was just in the kitchen and passed away. And, and I, I just wanted to say, like, I wanted to point that partner out to you to show you that even through his passing, that church has rallied behind us to tell us, man, we are still with you. And we still love you. And we're still sending our support to you. In fact, let us know if we need to up it for next year. Because we really care about you. So I just wanted to show you, those are the type of phone calls. These people care about us. They are praying for us. All right, go to the next slide. Actually, go, uh, yeah, no, go back. Okay, that's good. So listen, we got to make a goal, okay? 
And our goal as a church is that we want to be self-sustaining financially by the year 2024. That means at the end of two more calendar years, we want to be able to see that partner number at zero. And here's why. It's not because they're not still willing to give. It's not because they don't want to see us succeed. It is because the sooner that number gets down to zero, the sooner we can take the money God's given to us and send it out with someone else to multiply the church. And we can take all those partners who are giving to us and they can give to the next church planter that goes out and starts another church uh, in our city or throughout D.C. And, and so I wanted you to see like, like we have a goal. This isn't going to last forever. Okay, And so if you're not currently giving, you're not currently involved in, in this amazing miracle from God, like, I want to encourage you, like, join and help us, like, reach that goal. Like, we can, um, and so I'm just so excited to see what God does. But the last thing I wanted to show you guys is uh, this next slide here. And this is uh, something I'm so excited about. Oh, by the way, for self-sustaining, we are already 55% self-sustained as a church. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, give the Lord some praise. That's amazing. You guys have never clapped during a financial presentation, have you? All right. So I want you to see how we spent the money, okay? Because this is important to me. I care a lot about it. Because in Northern Virginia, it's hard to plant churches because of the cost of living and the price of buildings, okay? I'm just being, I'm getting in the weeds. I'm just telling you some of the unique challenges in our area. So I want you to see this year, so far, we've spent 48% of our overall budget, our money, on personnel, okay? We have, uh, we have brought, I'm the only full-time, we have a few part-time uh, people that do some stuff, and I just wanted you to see, like, how amazing it is that, like, most churches in Northern Virginia are at 70%, okay? Like, 60% would be normal. That would be average for the cost of living. I just want you to see how well below that we are. I want you to see building and admin, we're spending 16%. Ministry is money on ourselves. That's the goldfish the kids are eating right now in the kids' ministry. That's the curriculum. That's the sound system and stuff. And we're spending 12%. I want you to look at that top number because in, when it comes to missions and outreach money that we are giving away, we spend a quarter of our budget and just give it away. Hey, we're, we're still a new church. We'll get better at this. I just wanted you to see, you guys. I just wanted you to see. I'm not trying to bore you. But I want you to see a glimpse of what Paul's talking about. When he's like, man, you supported me. You gave to me. In this instance, we, we are Paul trying to spread the gospel. And these other churches are, are churches at Philippi that are giving to the work. And I just wanted you to see that we're not alone. And God is doing an amazing work at this church. And sometimes you may look at that and go, okay, that's good to know. Or you might even be scared and be like, only 55% self-sustained, and you don't know what's normal. And I just wanted you to see what a miracle it is of what God is doing in this church. And, and, I, and I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of those. But listen to me, I, I believe we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. And so I, I love that. So here's what I want to announce today. As we get ready for Christmas and Advent, I just want you guys to see um, that we are going to start what we are calling our Christmas offering. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to ask everybody um, uh, in our church throughout the Christmas season um, to do two things. Number one, be generous. I want to encourage you to be generous. Don't look at those numbers and sit back and go, oh, they don't really need, need me uh, this week. Because listen, it ain't about us needing you. It's about your heart with God. 
It is about you, your generosity, your motivation, and your heart to God, okay? So we don't share that with you. So please continue being generous at this church and beyond this church. But I also want to ask you to give above a little bit what you normally do to fund our Christmas offering. Now listen, a lot of churches use Christmas offerings for different things, right? They'll say, hey, we're going to use our Christmas offering. And I, can I just tell you behind the curtain a little bit? Let me tell you what most churches use their Christmas offering for. It's to catch up on their budget year, okay? It's to say, hey, we're going to end the year 20000 If we can just end the year 10000 so let's set a $10,000 get, and it's just going to go to pay off the bills. And I just want you to know, I'm, nothing wrong with that. I'm not being judgy. I'm just saying that's not the position that we're in. So we're going to take this $3,000 that is our goal for this year, and we're going to give it all away. We're going to give it all away. Not, not a penny of it is going to stay here. $1,000 of it is going to go towards scholarships for all of our go trips next year. $1,000 of it we're going to use for people who want to go on mission and do global outreach, but they can't afford the astronomical prices right now. So instead of saying, we'll just wait till things die down, we're going to send you and we're going to help fund you as you go. And so that's where a third of it's going to go. The other two-thirds is going to go to our missions partners around the world to help start a church in, uh, in the Northwest, all right, to help, uh, to help work with refugees from the Middle East that are in Athens, Greece, um, to help start churches um, throughout Europe, right, um, to work with North Korean defectors in South Korea, which you're going to hear more about next year as a, a possible uh, go trip for us. And so I just want you to see that's what all of that is going for and, and some local things too. Uh, so we'll give to some to fight human trafficking here locally and to a women's shelter here locally as well. So I want to encourage you, man, let's be generous this year and let's let's meet that goal. So you can uh, start not you can start next week. You'll all get a link. There's a special link to give online. You can designate between your regular tithes and offerings and your your Christmas offering. Um, let's uh, let's finish up here. I want to read to you. A verse of where we get this from Acts chapter 20 verse 35. Stay in Philippians, but um, look at Acts 20 verse 35. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up too. But this is what Paul or is what is said in Acts 20 35. It says, "In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." Can we all? Read that last part that Jesus said together. Ready? It is more blessed to give than to receive. And guys, that has to do with our heart. We're not, Jesus didn't say that because he was working on a building campaign. Jesus didn't say that because he needed to meet budget. Jesus said that because he knew that our human heart is conditioned to receive. And he said, if you let me come in, and you start a relationship with me, I will actually turn your heart around. And I will give you a heart not to receive, but I will give you a heart to give, to be generous. And guys, that's what we see here. But I want you to see that it comes with a promise. In Philippians 4.19, Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Because see, here's the deal. Some of us are worried. Brandon, I want to give to Christmas offering. I just have no idea how that's going to happen. Brandon, I, I want to be generous to this church. I know I, I can't, I'm just, I'm scared. Like I'm nervous. What if I, what if I like miss out on 
money or what, what, if, what if I don't have enough or what if I get laid off or what if this? And listen, listen, hear me. Those are legitimate concerns, legit. But I want us to cling to this promise in Philippians 4.19. We can be generous because, listen to me, we can be generous because my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. I don't know what the riches in glory is like, but it's probably more than we have on this earth. And that's the pot that God is drawing from to give to you in your time of need. See, the church was so generous, Paul was a little concerned about them. And so he said, listen, you guys gave abundantly. So I know that my God will supply all of your needs. I know that when you're, I'm not telling you to be stupid. I'm just saying when you're generous, you can be. Because we know God is going to provide for all of our needs. I want to just read the last three verses of Philippians over you. It's a, it's a, benediction of sorts for Paul and the church. He says, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. And the church said what? Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. It's really cool. Paul's flexing a little bit there. He's like, yeah, even people in Caesar's palace are coming to faith in Christ. That's something I want to be generous to, right? And then he says this, and I want to say it over you here this morning. So if you would, would you uh, look up at me as I read verse 23 over you? I've enjoyed going through Philippians with you, church. My hope and my prayer is that we don't take these lessons and move on but we take these lessons and practice them during Advent. And so let's be a generous people. So church, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.